This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. Is the U.S. Army ready to fight tonight? Uh, We would win. But General Michael Garrett, commander of U.S. Army Forces Command, says they need to do it better to meet today's challenges. Think about what's going on in uh, Iraq and uh, Syria uh, and then Afghanistan and then other parts of, of, of the Middle East, really. That's uh, every day and we're winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what I want is I want us to win uh, by even a larger margin than we're capable of today. Coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. Just a few weeks ago in August, General Michael Garrett, he's commanding general of U.S. Army Forces Command, wrote a piece that's posted at Army.mil. In the piece, he says, Shortly after I took command of U.S. Army Forces Command, I received my initial counseling from General Mark Milley. He looked at me dead in the eye and said, Mike, you're responsible for the readiness of our army. I sat back in my chair, he said, and thought, wow, that's a really big deal. But after I thought about it, he said, for another minute or two, I realized we have and will continue to get it done. But in the face of today's challenges, how will they get it done? The U.S. is improving, but so are the U.S.'s adversaries. So recently, I spoke with General Garrett about the peace and readiness as a whole. General, you wrote a piece not too long ago about readiness and the Army. And uh, I'm very interested in why you decided to write that piece. We've worked for the last three years as an Army uh, to gain strategic and operational uh, readiness. Uh, I'm not sure if you remember, uh, but it was, uh, I think, four years ago, uh, General Milley's uh, speech during the AUSA, um, I think it was the Marshall Luncheon. It was one of the luncheons, uh, and he talked about the current threats that we faced in the Army. Um, and, and I tell you, it was shortly after that that uh, the Army worked very, very hard to ensure that not only, uh, you know, were we tactically ready, so, you know, at the unit level, uh, but all of our, you know, our ability to globally project force um, and to sustain operations, uh, you know, was uh, equal to the task. And, and so that's where we focused for three years. We focused on strategic uh, and operational readiness. We focused on our deployment ability from our ports or from our forts. Uh, and, um, you know, that's kind of the operational piece. So getting off of your installations uh, getting to our uh, strategic port, so air, um, sea, 
um, rail uh, ports. Uh, and, and I'll tell you what, we got very, very good at it. Um, and, uh, and you saw that, I think, manifest itself uh, in the deployment of a brigade from the 82nd, no notice uh, on New Year's Eve, uh, you know, to the Middle East. Uh, and that just doesn't happen, you know, by accident. There's a lot of work that goes into that. But as I assume command and talk to all of the, the uh, force comm commanders, now I'm talking about our division commanders, our corps commanders, uh, many of our tactical brigade commanders, what they all said to me, and it confirmed uh, what I believed, is that in order to achieve the operational and strategic readiness that we gained, uh, we lost a little bit uh, at the point of contact. We lost a little bit uh, at the individual, at the crew, the squad, um, and the platoon level. Um, and, you know, I have uh, uh, been in uh, a number of excellent units. I mean, I've been in some of the very best units, um, you know, light infantry units uh, in the world. It's been almost 10 years in the Ranger Regiment. Uh, and I will tell you that uh, what we were good at and what those units are good at today, they are individually excellent uh, at the small unit. They are masters. Um, and that's what uh, we lacked, quite frankly, uh, as I looked across uh, the Army. Uh, and so I, I, I talked about uh, winning at the point of contact uh, during my visits to our uh, our training centers, the Joint Readiness Training Center for our Light Forces in Louisiana and the National Training Center uh, out in California. And the point of contact is just that. It is where the fighting happens. It is where we win or lose. And um, that's what prompted me to um, to think about you know, that part of readiness that I thought that we could make uh, the biggest gain. Uh, and then the point of contact, I think, for me is representative. Uh, and again, you know, it's easy for me to tell you, to, to, to give you a mental image of, you know, a tank crew that uh, acquires, engages, and moves on to the next tank uh, faster than the enemy can do that. You know, think about one of our cyber, you know, soldiers who's able to, to uh, uh, thwart a network attack or to conduct operations uh, to allow us, um, you know, uh, operate or, or space or success in, in that uh, area, uh, or even a mechanic, um, you know, fixing a vehicle. Uh, you know, the point of contact is not just, uh, you know, folks who are out there at the, at the tactical pointy edge of the spear, uh, these are everybody, and it really just gets at mastering individual and small unit skills. General, it, it, it extends. You said you lost a bit at the point of contact. Did did you figure out why you lost it? Yeah, because we only have so much time, and you know we prioritize activities, and those activities weren't prioritized high enough for us to be executing them. Okay, so how do you fix that? How how do you propose to fix that? by prioritizing uh, time uh, against those tasks. Okay. So very simple. An example would be our expert infantry badge, expert uh, field medical badge training uh, did not rise to the level of, of uh, priority uh, over the last three years based on other requirements. Uh, they are priority uh, this year, and, and that is an example of, of what we've done. So based on what you put in place, um, how would you assess the state of readiness today? 
we are, we, you know, we've maintained the highest, you know, General General Milley and, and, and General McConville, uh, when asked about readiness, you know, we talk about um, our brigade formations and maintaining uh, the preponderance of them at the highest levels of readiness. And we've been doing that for three years and we maintain that today. Uh, what I will tell you today, though, is uh, at the uh, individual, at the small unit level, uh, we are much better today than we were last year, and we'll be much better next year if we stay on this path uh, than we are today. If you've had to engage with the enemy today, um, based on where you've come from, uh, you know, after you started your, your, your upgrade, your improvement here, if you had to face the enemy today, um, would there be vulnerabilities? Oh, we would win. Um, you know, but I want to win without a fair fight. Decisive. I mean, we're, we face the enemy every day. I mean, think about what's going on in uh, in uh, Syria. Uh, think about what's going on in uh, Iraq and then Afghanistan and in other parts of, of, of the Middle East, really. That's, that's what's in the news. And so we're facing the enemy uh, every day and we're winning. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what I want is I want us to win uh, by even a larger margin than we're capable of today. Okay. And um, so basically, and forgive me for putting this this way, but it seems like what you're really after is making almost the perfect army. I don't know about, I don't know if there's any, you know, I don't know that there's anything uh, perfect. Um, mm -hmm. I know how hard it is for us to uh, gain, uh, I know how hard it has been for us to gain the readiness that we currently have. Uh, and in the uh, almost 20 months that I've been in this position, uh, I have a sense for how hard it has been for us to maintain this level of readiness. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, uh, yeah, I don't know that it's perfection uh, that I seek, uh, but I certainly uh, seek and we seek as an army, uh, you know, individual, uh, you know, proficiency, mastery, uh, and then small unit uh, excellence. Mm -hmm. You know, honestly, I spent uh, a little bit of time about a year or so ago, a little bit more than that, in Morocco with General Cloutier and, um, you know, the folks that are working out of Italy, um, your, 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 your teammates. Right. And um, what I saw was just outstanding. I mean, the precision, um, the dedication, the, the work that was being done to uh, make sure that uh, your foreign counterparts are are up to speed, but also the willingness to learn from those counterparts to make uh, them better and the, the the whole enterprise better, and uh, making sure that they're you know the team, whether it be the U.S. part or the foreign part, was ready to deal with the foreign threats to the army. So I would like to ask you, what do you see as the key foreign threats to the army? Well, I think the, you know, I think for the, you go back and look at the national defense strategy. If you listen to, uh, you know, the um, Department of Defense, you know, leadership, you know, we're all in the same boat, right? So it's uh, uh, China, Russia, uh, it's uh, um, violent extremists, uh, you know, around the globe. Um, it's, um, you know, the uh, Korean uh, threat, uh, but the, the pacing threat, the, the, the folks that we are looking very, very closely at uh, today uh, are principally uh, the Chinese uh, and the uh, Russian army, uh, both, uh, you know, professional militaries, both very, very capable militaries. 
uh, and uh, both, you know, today militaries uh, that are capable of contesting, you know, the U.S. military in all domains. Would you have the same kind of decisive advantage uh, if you had to engage them that you have today against other uh, against other threats that you've spoken about earlier about the situation in Syria and Afghanistan? Yeah, I think, you know, I think so. Um, you know, my my focus uh, this year, certainly our ability to project. I mean, we're doing it today uh, in Europe. We're doing it uh, today uh, in the Pacific, you know, with our deployments of uh, brigade combat teams and other other capabilities in support of, you know, the, the component commands in support of General Cloutier. Uh, actually, it's General Rowling now, uh, who is the Army Africa commander. Uh, but we have a number of our security force assistance brigade uh, soldiers that are operating there today. Um, so the answer is the answer is yes. Uh, but you know the the area uh, where I think we can make progress and and what will always hold us in great stead though uh, is uh, individual uh, mastery. It's winning at the point of contact. And and again, I'm trying to keep these short for you. But, but the, the, what, I, what I've seen and why it's so important is because of the momentum that winning creates uh, and the opportunities uh, that winning uh, provides. You know, when you win uh, at the point of contact, you provide time and space, you know, for the headquarters above you. When you lose uh, at the point of contact, you take that decision space and those opportunities away, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, you you wrote in your piece another. You said momentum creates temporal space. Right, commanders and their staff can. Um, That's right. Can can um, focus on uh, sustaining the, the momentum. So, taking what you've just said and what you're doing, and that's pretty remarkable stuff in such a short period of time that you've been able to achieve this. Uh, how would you assess what's next on your list uh, of uh, of improvements? Or what is next on your list of improvements? I tell you, you know, you know, people, um, you know, uh, getting our arms around, uh, you know, those things that uh, that um, don't allow us uh, to 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 hit to make that next level of progression, um, and those are generally issues associated, you know, with our with our people, and, and those are our soldiers. Uh, our families uh, and our our civilians, um, and so really, in, in addition to you know the readiness that I just talked about, you know, there's another aspect uh, of readiness, and some of it you know would be considered tactical because it's about tomorrow. Some of it's strategic because it's about you know the uh, future of the all volunteer force. Uh, but you know, taking care of of our people. Uh, and continuing to work through, you know, those things that, uh, you know, cause the Army to break trust with the American public. Uh, I think those are those impact uh, readiness uh, as well. So as I move on, um, you know, you wrote as well. um, Well, I think we've already talked about that, the mismatch between training and strategy. So let me just move on to the next thing. Support from DOD. Are you getting everything you need from the department to do what it is that you believe is necessary to make sure that the Army is able to win at the point of contact without even thinking about it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, uh, we are 
uh, in my view, uh, incredibly well resourced. Uh, and really, you know what, uh, you know what, what's helpful for me uh, is you know predictable uh, funding uh, because that allows us to plan. Uh, it allows us to provide a level of predictability, you know, for the units uh, inside of Forces Command, uh, and then it allows us to focus on, um, you know, those things that we think we need to. So the in, in this case, we're talking about, you know, spending more time on, you know, the uh, foundational level uh, training tasks uh, that that uh, you know I believe is very very important. So, but to answer your question, uh, we certainly do um, have the resources that we need. What is it that I haven't asked you about? Uh, I'm still here. <laughs> uh, what is it that I haven't asked you about that you think is important? Uh, I think, no, I think uh, you know. I think the only other the only other piece I would tell you is you know we've also learned a lot. Uh, you know, working through um, you know the environment that has been COVID. Um, you know that has been uh, a big uh, um, area. Uh, of, uh, of not just learning, uh, but adapting, uh, because, you know, we don't have a choice uh, not to be ready. Um, you know, there really wasn't, you know, uh, there, there very, there's no option for us not to be ready, uh, as you saw in January. And then uh, even as you saw in the beginning of March, I mean, we deployed a number of, of uh, our reservists, uh, and active component uh, units in support of, of um, you know, the COVID outbreak. Uh, in March, so um, we we continue to do that, and 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 I guess the the um, you know the the last thing I would tell you is uh, the most important resource you know I believe uh, that we have. You asked about how well we're resourced. I think we're we're very well resourced, uh, but the one thing that uh, there never seems to be enough of is time. Uh, and uh, what I have tried to do is provide you know if I provide you know, a new task uh, or priority, you know, to the force, uh, I try and take something off the plate uh, along with it. And I try to apply the resource, you know, of time against that and, and to get after um, our winning at the point of contact and, and really, uh, you know, this individual uh, mastery and getting to know our people a little bit better. You know, there have been a couple of things that we've instituted, and this foundational training day is the last, is the newest thing. And and really all it does is it dedicates time uh, and directs, you know, uh, a range of activities, you know, to ensure that we continue to focus uh, on that individual and small unit mastery that I discussed earlier. Mm -hmm. General, um, a couple more things has popped up just really quickly, and I promise to make these quick questions. if you were to look at the, the the current landscape of the world and you talk about the COVID situation, how that's impacted not just us here in the, in the States, but the entire planet, how would you say that's impacted your 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 adversaries and you, your ability to or their ability to, to, to fight the U.S. Army? Yeah, I, you know, I'll be honest. With you, I pay very close attention to, um, like I said, uh, you know, the threats that we—not threats, but the pacing threats that I identified earlier. Uh, you know, like they study us. You know, um, I personally, you know, study them, and uh, and what I know is that, um, you know, uh, uh, probably like our military, you know, they are—they have to do things also to be ready. 
Um, you know, my guess is that, uh, you know, the units uh, that are deployed. Um, so you see, um, you know, the, the first thing that comes to mind is, is Syria, um, where you have uh, Russian forces uh, in close proximity to American forces, and, and, you, and you, you see some interaction there. But, but I think, you know, I think uh, uh, our um, uh, adversaries have, have made many of the same adjustments that we have. Uh, and they probably learned, you know, some of the things, same things that we've learned in terms of, you know, what it takes to ensure readiness, what it takes uh, to train uh, large formations, um, uh, because it has been uh, a challenge, uh, but uh, one that, uh, you know, I think, you know, every, every day we get better uh, in this environment. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, we've, we've, we've certainly learned a lot over the last six months. Okay, so the other question was, sometimes the adversaries don't play fair. And I, I think we got a glimpse of some of that uh, not too long ago after an incident in Syria involving Russia and uh, some, some U.S. troops that were injured uh, because of some irresponsible, at least this is the way it was presented to us in the media, uh, behavior by Russian uh, forces in Syria. So how do you train for that? Uh, you know, just I mean, just like the the unit that was up there uh, trained for that. Um, I mean, uh, you know, it's a disciplined, uh, you know, cohesive group of people, uh, you know, who can keep their wits about them, um, and you know, be be mindful of, you know, not just the rules of engagement that we're operating under, but that uh, you know, razor thin line. Uh, really, uh, that uh, in this case, it was probably either, a, you know, a young lieutenant or a young captain who was the person on the ground, you know, kind of making this decision uh, about uh, escalation. I mean, uh, you know, because uh, that could have uh, easily, you know, moved from, uh, you know, an encounter where vehicles um, encountered one another uh, to where, you know, people were uh, shooting at one another, uh, which would have been a whole different event. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I, I think, uh, you know, the discipline uh, of our force, uh, understanding, uh, you know, the impact of our actions, uh, but also, you know, uh, at the other point of that, also there is a point, though, where, you know, there is a, there is, uh, a point where, uh, you know, we will um, uh, engage. Uh, and, and uh, you know, that particular situation, for example, you know, could have been different. Uh, and that's where, you know, the individual, uh, you know, mastery, proficiency, uh, the small unit and crew level proficiency become so important. That's General Michael Xavier Garrett. He's commander of U.S. Forces Command. We're grateful for the opportunity to talk to him because we got some good insight into what the Army's planning and what they're up against in the future. And we'll be back to this in the near term. In the meantime, coming up in our next episode, speaking of those threats the U.S. Army faces, there's North Korea. What worries me about Kim Jong-un is that the threat perception of North Korea has declined quite a bit since 2017. Dr. Jung Park, until fairly recently, was the CIA's top analyst on all things North Korea. In the absence of really tough talk from Kim Jong-un, big demonstrations of things like nuclear tests and um, intercontinental ballistic missile testing, that kind of lulls us into a view that maybe Kim Jong-un is not dangerous after all. 
but he and North Korea are dangerous. North Korea has between 20 to 60 nuclear weapons. And she says it's highly likely they can put them on a missile and launch them towards the U.S. That's coming up in our next episode. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about our program, send us an email at jgreen at wtop.com. That's the letter J, the color green, one word, at whiskeytangooscarpapa.com. That's jgreen at wtop.com. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. Also, if you'd like more information about our podcast and about national security, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and we're at wtop.com slash alerts. Also, please subscribe to our podcast. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Welcome to the MIP. Yeah! <laughs> like podcast. You knew this was coming. Guess who? Let me start this thing off. Join me every week for the Michael Irvin Podcast. We'll give you the full MIP experience. I'm talking everything from football to fashion. I will be chopping it up with playmakers, headline makers, and I am throwing haymakers. I'm the MVP of the MIP. Don't miss it. Download new episodes of the MIP, the Michael Irvin Podcast, every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, and Spotify. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.